Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Turn with me in your Bibles today to 1 Kings. 1 Kings. 1 Kings. Hang on just a minute. I forgot my notes. Don't you worry, though. Some of you thought you were getting off easy. No, sir. 1 Kings. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the staff here. I just want to say to them publicly, uh, there's lots of people that make this thing go around. And uh, they are, my Pastor Noah was at the breakaway with our youth this weekend. Uh, Pearl and uh, Charlie are always doing something for our kids. Caleb and Lindsay, I told Caleb, look, I don't know what you're going to do next, you know, today or tomorrow. Um, but I just be on ready because Caleb is that guy that always I always need something done and he's just always available and ready. So I appreciate our staff and those that serve uh, in the ministry. Would you give them a God bless you? Do you mind? Because I just appreciate them. I uh, First Kings is where we'll be today, chapter three, and I want to talk to you today about making good choices. How many parents have ever asked their kids, encouraged their kids to make good choices? Okay. Two of you, good. The rest of you catch up. Ask your kids to make good choices. It's a whole lot better than a bad choice. Amen. There's a time in the Bible where a man came to God and God gave him a carte blanche prayer request. In other words, he said, You just tell me. God said to, to Solomon, You just tell me what you want. It's done. And I don't know about you. I, God's never given me that opportunity. And I don't know what I would ask for if God said, you know, he became like the Aladdin from the genie in the bottle and said, you get three wishes, whatever you want. But the, the, the truth, that didn't come from Aladdin. That came from God because he gave that to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. Look at verse number 3 and we'll read it this, this morning. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. It wasn't perfect by any means. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown unto your servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he has walked before you in truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. And you have kept for him this great kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as is this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to get, go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people who cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. And then here, here's his request. Give therefore your servant an understanding heart. Some of your Bibles may say give your servant wisdom to judge your people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this people so great. So the Bible says that Solomon came to the place and what he asked God was for was not riches because if you're going to be a king, you probably need wealth. He didn't ask for that. He didn't ask for a long life. If you're a long-tenured king, you may have a tendency to be more successful, but he didn't ask God for a long life. He asked God, would you give me wisdom that I can lead this people? Would you give me an ability to make good choices so I can lead the people that you've called me to lead? I think that's a great prayer for not just Solomon, for all of us. How many have to make choices on a daily basis and you really do need God's help? How many have to make choices on a, on a weekly basis and you really need God's help? How many have a three-year-old and you say, God, I need it to make a wise choice before I kill this rascal? 
I think wisdom is a great life goal for every single believer. I wish that I wish that they would make better decisions. People would make better decisions in their marriages. I wish people would make better decisions in their community. And baby love, I wish they'd make better decisions in a place called Washington, D.C. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 7 says it like this. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all you're getting, get understanding. If there's anything this world needs, it's that we make better decisions, and the decisions are the kind that God gives to us as we use his wisdom. Now, I have just a few points this morning. And first of all, if you're a note taker, God's wisdom isn't just about the spiritual. When you think of God, you think he just tells me how to pray. And God tells me how to get to heaven. And God tells me about the things that are important to to, to the kingdom of God. But can I tell you something? God's wisdom is beyond that. God's wisdom also runs into the scientific. Now, I know some of you are going, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a difference between faith and science, Pastor. Don't you know that? I'm here to to make a new plea with you. There is no difference between faith and science. Because the creator of science is the creator of all that is and the same one that we believe in. So when somebody says there's a difference between faith and science, when faith and science don't agree, it's because their science became unbelievable. It's because their science became something that was not something that was real or based on truth because God is the God of science, the same as the God of the spiritual and the physical. Look at 1 Kings chapter 4. Go to verse number 30. This is the answer to Solomon's plea. It says, And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt which was the leading institutions, leading uh, educational facilities of that particular day. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, than Heman, than Shelkal, than Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in the nations round about. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. His songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar tree that's Lebanon, even into the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of the beast, of the fowl, and of the creeping things, and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth. Solomon's wisdom went far beyond just the things of the spiritual. He was an expert in writing books, in writing songs. The Bible says he wrote over a thousand. He was an expert in dendrology and botany. He was the expert in zoology, in the study of fish, in the study of birds. It wasn't just the spiritual that he was an expert in. Anything that had to do with any kind of wisdom, God gave it to Solomon. There's a man by the name of George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver was one of the great scientific minds of the 20th century. He grew up on a slave farm in Missouri, and he had a desire for education. And as he had that desire for education, he went to college in a time that that black people did not go to college. He graduated from there, then got a job at the infamous Tuskegee Institute out of Alabama. And there for over 40 years, he came up with and and taught students and did all different types of research. He was one of those, he was one of the men that, that, that highlighted the rotation of crops. They used to just plant cotton after cotton after cotton, and they found that the cotton would depleted the soil. And so George, George Carver was the one that said, why don't you rotate the crops from different crops to put nutrients back in the ground? He was a man of faith, too. I want to read to you a couple quotes from George Washington Carver. He said, I am more and more convinced as I search for truth 
that no ardent student of nature can behold the lilies of the field or look into the hills or study even the microscopic wonders of a stagnant pool of water and honestly declare himself to be a non-believer. More and more as we come closer and closer in touch with nature and its teachings, we are able to see the divine hand of an almighty God and therefore fitted to interpret correctly the various languages spoken by all forms of nature about us. He said, my life and study of nature is in its many phases leads me to believe more strongly than ever in the biblical account of man's creation as found in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 27. He said this, every day I wake up at 4 a.m. and I go and seek the, the mind of God and I ask God, what should I do today? And then my goal for that, for that day is to do what God has asked me to do. He was a man of faith who didn't separate faith and science. He believed they came together. He also one day was talking to God and asked God, he said, show me the secrets of the universe. And God said, look, I can't show you the secrets of the universe. You don't even know the secrets of a peanut. And so he began this, this uh, life study of, of studying the peanut. First thing he noticed is that it was a cash crop. You could put it and rotate it with cotton, and it would put the nutrients that the cotton took back out of the, the soil. But there's, here's, let me just read to you a short list of some of the, the products, the byproducts discovered by George Carver. Peanut punch. Peanut beverage flakes, all-purpose cosmetic cream, antiseptic soap, baby massage cream, face bleach and tan remover, facial lotion, facial powder, glycerin, hand lotion, peanut oil shampoo, shaving cream, tether, tether, which is dandruff shampoo, vanishing cream, 30 different types of dye for cloth, 30 different types of dye for leather, 17 different wood stays, excuse me, wood stains, hen food, three different kinds of stock food, bar candy, caramel, chili sauce, chocolate-coated peanuts, curds, dry coffee, flavoring paste, meat substitute, peanut brittle, peanut cake, peanut flour, peanut popcorn bars, peanut relish, peanut tofu sauce, salad oil, vinegar, Worcestershire sauce, castor oil, iron tonic, laxatives, axle grease, charcoal, diesel fuel, gasoline, glue, insecticides, linoleum, lubricating oil, nitroglycerin, white paper, printer's ink, plastics, rubber, laundry soap, and sweeping compound and a partridge in a pear tree. All that he discovered from a peanut. And that tells me that the God that you and I serve, when he formed the, the stars into existence, when created all that is, he had great plans for science and for science and faith to come together. God, help me to have some wisdom that's not just spiritual, but it's also physical and, 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 and scientific as well. Whew. Secondly today, if, let me just tell you this. Let's just put it this way. If God's the source of science, it's because he's the source of creation anyway. Secondly, today, God's wisdom brings peace and prosperity. If you get to this part, this, this is the part of the book where we are. All this back here from the very beginning of time, it almost seems like Israel from, their, from her infancy is always at war. If you go back through Egypt, there was war when they left Egypt. If you go back through the desert, the 40, 40 years in the desert, there was war and, and, and battle after battle against enemy. When they went into the promised land, there was a battle. Through the judges, the times of the judges, there were battle. Even his daddy, King David, had battle after battle. And this is the first time in the history of recorded history of Israel that there's a time when there's no battles and there's no wars. Let me read to you 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 24. It says, For Solomon had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, from Tiphish to Azat over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all sides round about him. It's the first time Israel had ever had peace and it, the, the, one of the reasons why, I guess the main reason why, is because there was a peace in Israel because there was good decisions that were being made from the White House. I mean the castle. There was good decisions being made. Listen, y'all, today families are at war. Marriages are at war. 
There are communities that are at war. There's are nations that are at war. And do you know the answer to solve the problems of the wars that are going on? It's the wisdom that God gives to solve problems and make good choices that bring about peace in a land. God's wisdom brings peace. God's wisdom brings a prosperity as well. 1 Kings chapter 10. Listen to this. This is just the, the annual income in Israel in this particular day. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse number 14. Now the weight of the gold that came to Solomon in one year was 600 threescore and six talents of gold. That's 25 tons of gold. In today's, you do the math, today's math, that's about over a billion dollars that came into the treasure of Israel every single year, and that was before they ever did one business transaction. It says this, that also he had merchantmen of the traffic of the spice merchants of the kings of Arabia, of the governors of the country. King Solomon made 200 targets, shields of beaten gold, 600 shekels, gold went to one target. He made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three pounds of gold went into one shield, which is about $25,000 each. And the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. He was a master businessman. He was a, ma a business magnet as well. He was involved in shipping. He was involved in food and textiles. All around the world, people did business with Solomon and Israel. It's very safe to say that there's something about God, that with God's wisdom, that can not just bring peace, it can bring prosperity as well. My question is this. How in the world does God bring such wisdom and such peace to, to a land? It's because God's got wisdom. And just like the book of James says, if any lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give it liberally. Do you need wisdom to, to raise kids? God's got it. Ask him for it. Do you need wisdom to start a business? Go ahead. God's got that as well. Go ahead and ask him. Do you need wisdom to know how to get to heaven? My friend, God's got that answer too. Ask him for it. It doesn't matter what in this world you need, the answers that you need, God's got it, and it's called the wisdom of God that he gives to everybody who asks for it. That's good news, y'all. That's good news. See, the thing is, is I need more than the education that the colleges of this world offer. I need more information than the education of a Harvard, Harvard Law degree. I need more education than I can get from the people of this world. I need more education than Billy Graham can give me because they're limited in their amount and what they can do. But see, God's wisdom is unlimited. God is, knows all, everything. He knows how to take care of the littles and take care of the big. He knows, knows how to walk you down the road of grief, and he knows you to walk you up the road of building a business or building a church. God is that kind of a God that knows everything that you need to know and some. He says, if you just want some, ask for it. If you need it, ask for it. If you need it, ask for it. When I was 19 years old, I wish somebody had preached this sermon to me. Because when I was 19 years old, I just got to thinking, in this part of my life, how do you know what to do? And the options are just, there's an unlimited amount of options. How do you know what job to pursue, education to pursue, field, career field? How do you know who to marry? I mean, it's just like there's like 18 billion women in this world. How do you know which one God's picked for you? How do you understand? Uh, how do you know which, which faith to go after? I mean, there's so many out there. And I remember asking all these questions, and that's one of the main reasons I came to God, because I know if anybody had the answer, he had it. And I'm thankful, so thankful God just was, did not give up on me and, and walked me down the road to where I committed my life to him, and not just to him, but a life of following after him and his wisdom. Now, not only this, but listen to this story. Go to 1 Kings chapter 3. God's wisdom will help you understand people. <laughs> God's wi wisdom will help you understand people. Listen, of all the industries of the world, that's the toughest one. 
Understanding why people do what they do. How many, do you know what I'm talking about? How many men have ever woken up in the morning or at the end of the day said, why did she do that? How many women have ever done <laughs> How many women have ever done that and thought, why in the world did he do that? How many have ever had a teenager and thought, what in the world were they thinking? How many teenagers have ever thought about their parents? What are they thinking? Understanding relationships is one of the hardest things that you and I will ever do. But look at this particular, this particular incident here. I'm going to read to you this story from 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. It says, There came two women who were harlots to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, My Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. Two, two mamas and two babies in a house. And this woman's child died in the night, verse 19, because she laid on top of it. She arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while her handmaid, your handmaid slept and laid it on her and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child something to eat, behold, it was dead. But when I considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, no, 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 that wasn't how it happened. My son is the living son, and the dead is your son. And this, this said, no, but the dead is your son, and the living is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Did y'all figure out what happened here? Two ladies live in a house. They both have babies. During the night, one lady leans over and lays on her bed and suffocates the baby, and he dies. Well, what she, when she realizes that baby's dead, she went and swapped hers with the, the other, other baby. So when they woke up in the morning, the lady whose baby had died, she said, she said look, my son, your, your baby died. And she goes, no, no, that's not my baby. You got my baby. And so they, they have this argument, so they go to the king to decide the matter. Y- y'all want to see what the king said? This will never happen. This won't ever happen anywhere in this world. I'm tr- I promise you that. He, the king said, verse 23, Then the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives, your son is the dead. The other says, no, but your son is the dead, and my son is the living. The king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. The king said, look, divide the living child in two, and give one to the one, and the other half to the other. I'm not making this up. Are y'all reading this here? He said, get a sword, cut him in two, cut the living one in two. Verse 26, the woman spoke, the woman spoke whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. She said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child and no wise kill it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. The king answered and said, Give her the living child and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And the Bible says, All of Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Can you imagine? If somebody from Washington made that particular type of judgment, can you imagine if there's somewhere in this country a judge said that? That, my friend, is the wisdom of Almighty God. And God gives us the ability. Matter of fact, some of you parents, sometimes you just get that little still small voice that your kids aren't doing something right. And you, you can't put your finger on it. My friend, that's the time the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and giving you wisdom what to do. How many parents have ever just had this thought of what to do with your kid one time? You just had this thought. You weren't knowing what, to, what direction to go in, but you just thought, maybe I ought to try this. Is it possible that that was actually the wisdom of the Holy Ghost speaking to you, telling you what to do? I got this idea one time. I heard a preacher preaching about this, and he said um, he had a son. He said, you know, I have a son, and one time he was doing some things. He was probably eight or nine. He was doing things he shouldn't do, and I kept, you know, trying to correct him, but it never worked. He said it never changed any of his behavior. He said, so one time I took him in, and he said I'd whipped him before. And this time I took him back in the back bedroom, and I told him this. I said, look, 
He said, obviously, I'm not a very good dad because you keep doing the same thing that I'm telling you not to do. He says, so I tell you what, this time, instead of me and whipping you, you're going to whip me. He said, I gave him the, the nine-year-old boy, I gave him the belt. He said, I leaned over the bed. He said, and I said, now you whip me. He said, these big old crocodile tears started coming out this little nine-year-old boy's face. He said, at least start crying, no, daddy, no. He said, no, you better whip me right now. He said, no, daddy, no, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. So I heard that story, and I got inspired. So I, uh, one of my kids, who will go, name, go nameless, he, uh, we had the same kind of problem and not the same situation, but the same, I mean, just kind of things weren't really working like they were supposed to. So me and his mama went back in the back with him, and I said, I tell you what, we've been down this road before, and obviously you're not getting, you know, you're, you're not understanding what we want you to do. I said, so I must be a bad dad. So here's what I want to do. You're going to take this belt, and you're going to whip your mama right now. <laughs> She's going to bend over that bed, and you're going to whip her. And as soon as I said that, Leanne said, now, wait a minute, do what? Sometimes the Lord or the Holy Spirit will give you some wisdom that will help. Now, it did solve the problem, didn't it? And so the thing is, is you and I need wisdom to help us to know what to do. I want to show you something again. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. For all of you JBQers, I'm going to need you to put your uh, thinking cap on right now. I'm going to read this to you from verse number 1 of Proverbs chapter 4. It says, Hear, children, the instruction of a father, and intend to know understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake you not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. So here's the question. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? King Solomon. So... He says this, I was my father's son, tender and beloved in the sight of my mother. Who was Solomon's daddy? David. And so Solomon's mama was Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Bathsheba, excuse me. Now, verse 4, he said, he taught me also and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. So this is a daddy talking to his son, telling him, giving him some advice. Every one of you can remember the advice that your daddy gave you. It's that advice that he said all the time, right? When you, if you had to put something on his tombstone, this is the very saying you would put on there. It would say something like, for my daddy, don't work hard, work smart. Kind of things that he always said. He said this, take care of your family. You know, love your family. Things that are said. So we got to the place where David's about to give Solomon this, this banner saying is what I call it. Here's what he said. In verse 5, he said, get wisdom. Get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. So the, the, the saying that, that David gave to, to Solomon was, was get wisdom. Wisdom's the principal thing. He said, of all the things you get, whether it's wealth or, 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 or acclaim or notoriety, whatever you get, get wisdom. So my question to you is that when it came time for Solomon to answer God as far as to what he wanted, is there any chance all he did was repeat the thing that his daddy had been telling him all those years. Parents, do you understand the power that you have over your children? And the words that you say when they're young, when they're teenagers. The words that you say, Solomon became king when he was 20. So he had heard this his whole entire life. Is it any possibility when we tell our kids, grow in the wisdom of God. Get to know Jesus Christ. When there comes a time in their life when they have to make their own decisions, is there any chance that maybe they'll stand before God and they'll say the exact same thing? 
Grow in God's wisdom. Where does it come from? I mean, God gives us wisdom for so many different things in life. Where does, where does that education come from? How do you get that? I just read it to you, James chapter 1. says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God. That's where it comes from. This wisdom comes from God. And can I tell you something else? This wisdom that God gives, it comes through his will. And his will is his revealed word called the Bible. We have a um, Bible study we're going to do as a church in December. It's going to start December the 5th. I'm just going to encourage you to come to that Bible or to join that Bible study. We'll give you some, some information as we go along. We have three ladies' Bible studies that people meet in people's homes every single week. I encourage you to get involved in those Bible studies. We have a men's Bible study. Get involved in that Bible study. Every week before church starts, before we have this service, we have classes, adult Bible study. We have JBQ. Get involved in those Bible studies. We have what's called journey groups every single month. If there's anything I encourage you to do and they study the Bible, get involved in those studies. You have 15 minutes before you go to work. Let me just encourage you. Take that 15 minutes and instead of scrolling, read God's Word. Spend 15 minutes in God's Word. In the evening time, you have about an hour. Take maybe a couple nights a week and get in God's Word and read it and let the wisdom of God get on the inside of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Wisdom, can I tell you, friend, it comes from God's Word. And, and I know lots of people would say this. Well, you know, I, I read the Bible, but Pastor Kerry, I don't understand it. Can I tell you the beauty of the Bible is it has the ability to answer its own questions. If you just Sometimes if you just keep on reading, if you get to a part you don't understand, if you keep on reading, it's going to end up answering itself. I like Mark Twain. He said it best. He said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that give me problems. It's the parts of the Bible that I do understand that give me problems. And I think that's the truth. It's the truth. And there are many today that would take issue with what I just said because they would say, you can't read the Bible, uh, Pastor Kerry. You can't read the Bible because there's so many contradictions in it. It's not true. There's so many problems. What about there's things in there that like God condones certain things. God condones slavery in the Bible. My friend, if you'll just read it, you'll realize God wasn't talking about the human trafficking kind of slavery. He was talking about the part where you couldn't pay your bills and you had to go to work to pay off your bill. There's a novel idea. God's wisdom will help you in every single season of life. It'll change you in your brokenness. It'll change for whatever you have in your life. It has the ability to do what no other book, what no other teacher, what nothing else in this world can do, and that is to transform me and you on the inside. And it doesn't matter what lot of life you might be in, if you're a brand new person, brand new believer, or if you've been in this thing your whole life. If you've got dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction, or you're just a kid that loves God today, it doesn't matter. The Word of God has the ability to give you the wisdom that you need to make it till you get to heaven. And lastly today, God's wisdom will help you to get saved. It'll help you to start a relationship with Almighty God. This word, this book right here has the unique ability not just to do everything else that we've talked about, but also it has the unique ability to start you on the road of a relationship with Jesus Christ, which we call getting born again. Thank God for this book. It's the most published book in the history of the world. It's the most purchased book in the history of the world, not just for the last 2,000 years, but in 2021 as well. It's been criticized, it's been ostracized, it's been ripped up, it's been cast out, but yet it still is the best-selling book of all time. 
And if that's the case, that must mean that people throughout the ages have found that there's something important and powerful about the wisdom in this book that comes into the life of whoever will believe it and whoever will receive it. Story that is Assembly God Church today. And there's a young lady who's sitting in there. And she was given a book of hope at her high school. Book of Hope is a, is a Bible that's a little bit more reader-friendly for high school students. She was given that particular book, and she put it in her backpack. We'll just call her name Jennifer. Amanda gave it to her, to Jennifer. Jennifer took that book in her backpack, took it home, stuck it on her, her bedside table, and left it there. And she said she, when she'd walk into her room, she never read it, but she'd walk into her room, just something was kind of leaning her pushing her to read that book. It would always catch her eye on her bedside table. Finally, one day, she went and picked the book, the book, that book up, and she read through the pages of the Bible, and it showed her what God believed about her. It showed her where she, that she really had purpose, that she had a destiny in this life. And as she read it, she got to page 30, and on page 30, there was a, there was a, a prayer there that asked her where she could pray and receive Christ, and she prayed that prayer to receive Christ. She went back to school to tell her friend that she had read the book of hope and that she'd found God, a relationship with God. And while she was at school one day, her mother was in her room cleaning up. Imagine that, a mother cleaning up a teenager's room, all right? And her mother starts reading the book. And her mother reads through the pages of the book. She gets to page 30. She prays the exact same prayer from that book, and she gets saved as well. And by the time the story's all over, every single member of that family got saved and born again by the power of the Word of God. And this morning, they're all sitting in the Assembly of God Church in California as believers of Jesus Christ. That's the power of this book right here today. That's the power of the Word of God. That's the wisdom of God. And I have a question for you today. What about you? What do you need from God today? What situation do you need wisdom in today? Is it a financial situation that you don't see any hope? My friend, there's an answer. And he said, if you'll ask me, I'll give it to you. What business problem do you have that you just hadn't seemed to solve? What relationship problem do you have you just hadn't seemed to be able to, to come to any kind of terms with? Or what about you? You're here today, and you say, I need God. I need the salvation that he offers, and I needed to know it today that he loves me and he cares about me. My friend, all that's found in the pages of God's Word. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.